In the book of 2 Chronicles is the story of King Asa. He occupies about three chapters, verse 14, 15, and 16. You can find them again in the book of 2 Kings chapter 15. However, I do believe that as he took on the role of a king, his father had a short reign and he would reign for 41 years. But when he became the king, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Dear friend, you want to do what is right in the sight of the Lord. That's what's most important. It doesn't matter what your mama sees or your daddy sees, what your teacher sees, what your youth pastor sees, what your pastor sees. What most important is what God sees. The Bible says the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of him whose heart is perfect toward him. Those were the words that Asa heard in his ears 35 years after he was the king. Now he served for 30, for 41 years, and probably 10 years into it, he got into a battle with the Ethiopians. And uh, there was a huge threat. They had 100,000, uh, or excuse me, uh, they had a lot more. They had 100,000 folks coming against them. They had 300 chariots, like, it would be kind of like uh, uh, tanks or so. And uh, there was a great imminent danger, and he was outnumbered, and what he did was very wise. He prayed. He prayed and said, Lord, please help us. He said, I have my confidence in you. You're my God. It's not hard for you to serve and take care of this by many or by few. And if we don't have might, you have might. We trust you. Help us. And God helped him. God caused the Ethiopians at the time to go on flight. And they reaped a great spoil. Lots and lots of cattle. Lots and lots of possessions. They're on their way back. And God's Holy Spirit rests upon a prophet named Azariah. Azariah approaches Asa and he says, Asa, I got something to talk to you about. And he says, you listen to me, Asa. And he says, the Lord is with you. By the way, you want the presence of God. He said, the Lord's with you, Asa. And he says, if you'll get close to the Lord, the Lord will get close to you. If you'll come close to him, he will help you. If you seek for him, he will be found of you. But then he uses a parallel and he says, Now you are the king of the southern kingdom of Judah and also of Benjamin. Two southern tribes. The other is the children of Israel. That's the ten northern tribes. And he says to him, he says, Israel, all of you together, but especially that northern tribes, the northern tribes and Israel's history, for a long season, they've been without three things. They've been without, number one, they've been without a true God. Oh, I, I'm a God. They know my name. They know how to pray to me. But they do not worship me as the true God. They have created idols. They've, they put their dependence upon other people instead of me. He said, there's been no true God for my people. Number two, there's been no teaching priest. People who are supposed to preach and teach God's Word to their families, to their Sunday school classes, to their bus routes, to their churches. They're not teaching God's Word. They're not telling them what I said. And they have been without my law. As a result of that, God says, I have brought vexation and adversity to their lives. And there's no peace. 
There's no peace to the people individually. There's no peace to the people and their families that go in and out of their house. There's no peace in the cities. There's no peace in the countries. There's no peace on the planet because they do not know the true God. They have not had a gospel preacher and they have not been exposed to my law. Dear friend, that's just the truth. That's exactly what happened. But then he says to Asa. Now Asa, once again, he wasn't a perfect guy and he dies really kind of a miserable way. I think every senior adult, especially, if you've been saved for a couple decades, you ought to read the last part of Asa's life in the chapter 16 and determine, I'm not going to do that. Because really, for 35 years, he lived for God. And then he got real dumb at the end of his life. He was confronted by a pastor, by a prophet, and he threw him in jail. He got angry with the preacher instead. Here, 35 years of God's blessing at the end of his life when he gets confronted because he puts his faith in the Syrian king instead of the God who helped him all through his, his life. A pastor comes to him, a preacher comes to him, a prophet comes to him, Hananiah, and he got so mad with him, he threw him in jail got hardened to the things of God. Three years later, he gets a disease in his feet. He is miserable his whole life, but turns to the doctor and doesn't even beseech God to heal him and dies a miserable death. It just reminds, it just reminds me, listen, it's not just how you start, it's how you finish. He didn't finish well, and I hope every one of us, all of us, all the way, everybody living for Christ their entire life. Grandpa, don't throw in the towel. Grandma, don't throw in the towel. Senior adult, stay faithful all the way to the end. Uh, Mom and dad, don't get tired. Don't miss Sunday night. Don't miss Wednesday night. We get back in this thing, get in there all the way. Raise your children for Jesus and don't stop and don't let you, don't sit your grandkids on your lap and say, well, I used to be, I used to be faithful. I used to do this. If you can still do anything for God, you ought to go all the way through and don't leave your life sitting on a stool somewhere and talking about what you used to do when you can still be actively engaged in the work of the Lord, faithfully trusting Christ. Asa doesn't have that testimony, but I can and you can. But if we're not careful, our hearts will be hardened. And by the way, angry. He got angry when he was confronted. Do you get angry when you're confronted? Do you get mad at the person that confronts you or do you appreciate that? The Bible says a scorner. He turns a, a reproof on him against the person that, that, that confronts him. Boys and girls, if your mom and dad approach you and they point out something that's wrong, they tell you they don't like something, change that. Keep your door open. Stop listening to that. Let me see your iPod. Whatever else change your clothes. Do you get mad at them? Don't be a scorner. It's dangerous. And when we're angry and upset, we don't listen good. And, it, and what we hear affects our heart. It's a tragic story. That's not my message tonight, but I do think that was very helpful to us to just be reminded how we finish things. But the Bible tells us, and, and, and Azariah comes to him, and he says, listen, this is what's happened. Israel has had a long time without my law, without my preachers, without my truth, and they really haven't worshipped me. They know my name. They know my Bible, but they don't really worship me. They go to church, but they don't worship me. I'm not their true God. They've created other idols. And we see in chapter 14, verse 3, 
that Asa not only did that which is right, but he removed idolatry from the southern kingdom. He strategically started getting rid of idolatry. But there was still more in the kingdom that he had not taken care of. But whenever Azariah gets done with him, he says this to him. Look at verse 7. Would you look there with me? The Bible says, he says, be strong, therefore. He said, I've, I've vexed and I've brought adversity to the planet and especially to my people. Israel, as a country, as a whole, in the northern kingdom in particular. He said, but ye, be ye strong. And by the way, that's good advice for all of us. Hey, in this difficult time, it's God's people who should not go wobbly. We ought to be strong. Doesn't mean we ought to be unkind or, or, or overly confident. But our confidence does not come because of who we are, but who's with us. He says, listen, if God is with you, Asa, then be strong. Number two, he tells him, let not your hands be weak. Strengthen your hands, and for your work shall be rewarded. He tells him, listen, be strong and stay at it. Keep on working. I like that song, I'm going to keep on working till he comes, till he comes. There's nothing in this world worth turning around to see. My eyes are on the prize that awaits me by and by. And I'm going to keep on working till he comes. Oh, yes. Hey, listen, keep on working. He says, now, Asa, God's with you. The world's going crazy. It's going to hell in a handbasket. I brought vexation, adversity. But you be strong. Strengthen your hands and do what God wants you to do. Your work will be rewarded. That's an encouraging thing. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where the Bible tells us, he, he tells you, be, be steadfast. Always abound in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When Jesus says, I come quickly and my reward is with me. Let me just help you with something real quickly to remind you of something. It is faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone that determines your eternal destiny. But it's works and service and commitment to Jesus Christ that determines your eternal reward. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 10, the Bible says that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love that you have ministered to the saints. And do minister. When you keep doing it, God says, I am not unrighteous. I know what you're doing. I keep an eye on that. And anyone who gives even a cup of water in God's name, he says, you're not going to lose your reward. I'm going to take care of that. And he tells Asa, Asa, be strong. Stay in the battle, keep on working, keep on serving. If it's discouraging, if the world's vexed, if there's adversity all around you, you be strong, you keep going, and God's going to help you. Now, I want to talk to you tonight about what is the right response. What's the righteous response to the message that we receive from God? This morning I talked to you about the message from God. Tonight I want to talk to you about the right response. I need to do it quickly. Follow along with me. Verse number 8. Here we go. Verse number 8. The Bible says, And when Asa heard these words, and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, I want you to notice what it says there. He took what? It takes courage to follow the Lord and to make some adjustments. He needed to change some things. He needed to make some hard decisions. You'll find later on, I think in verse 15 or 16, that he has to remove his own mother from being the king, go to her backyard and saw down her groves and stamp it out and, and, and level it again. He had to do it with his own mom. I love my mom. I don't want anything to upset my mom. 
Truth of the matter is, Asa had a mama that wasn't committed to the Lord. And it wasn't matter, it didn't matter who it was. He said, you know what, Mom? You can't have the grove in my kingdom. And if that's what you're going to worship, you don't have a responsibility or a right to be a leader here. You're no longer the queen. You know what that takes? Courage. It took courage to do that. And when, when Asa heard what God said through his spirit-filled man of God, a word from God, that he ought, to be, he ought to be strong, he ought to work with his hands, and he ought to not give up and continue on, God's going to reward him, it gave him courage. Can I just remind you where courage come from? comes from? Courage does not come because of who I am or who you are. It comes from who we know is with us. If you know God's with you, you can have courage. Uh, we're all a bunch of chicken-hearted people. We're not all that, all that. We, it doesn't matter if you're strong physically or you're financially stable. You're scared to death in certain circumstances. But if you know God's with you, it makes you stronger. And it gives you courage. Number one, a response to, right response to God's message was he took courage. Number two, he put away some things. Would you go back to verse number eight? The Bible says that he took courage and he put away the abominable idols. Let me just say to you tonight, every one of us ought to start looking around our heart and our life and say, what is occupying my mind, my time? Hey, there's nothing wrong with a hobby. I love hobbies. They're good, and they're good deterrence to the routine, and, and they kind of get your mind off things. But may I say to you, for many of us, a hobby has become our God. The golf game, the fishing pole. That video game, it's become you, the Pinterest. It's become, it occupies your time. Facebook, different things. That, that's what you think about all the time. Evaluate. Do some evaluation. What is it that's continually, my mind, is it the business? you got to work to make a living. But does God have some competition with your stuff, with my stuff? This is embarrassing. This is, gets uncomfortable. I'll tell you that right now. I was thinking about that just while I was praying a while ago. I said, Lord, how can you bring revival if my mind is captivated with the nasty now and now, with materialism, with more stuff, getting more stuff? And the more we get, oftentimes the possessions begin to possess our time, our attention. I don't know where you are, but I just would say that courage to evaluate what do I need to put away? What are some things I need to say, this is getting stupid? I am just captivated with this. This thing has just got my attention. I'm thinking about this all the time. This is my main focus, and it's not souls. It's not the kingdom of God. We're not supposed to get entangled with the affairs of this life, but to please Him who hath chosen us to be a soldier. Are you getting entangled with some things? May I tell you, most of us listening today, you do not get on your knees and bow down in front of an idol. Not of concrete, not of ceramic tile, not of, not of a wood, not of, not of anything like that. We don't go to temples and crawl on our hands and knees. Most of us do not. There may be a few exceptions. But we've got some idols. We've got some things that are really, they, they matter to us much more than the things of God. You know what it takes to deal with those? It takes courage. It takes an understanding that God's with me. You know, one of the things about God's presence on our life is that it elevates our behavior. When I know God is with me, my, whoever's with me, if I have people with me, I act better than I do by myself as a general rule. 
Boy, we, we certainly, we know God's with us. It elevates our behavior and we put away things that we should put away. That's what the courage, number one, he put away some things. Number two, he renewed something. Look at verse number eight again, if you would, please. The Bible says that he put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin. And now the cities that were taken from Mount Ephraim, the other cities, he said, I'm going to go to these two tribes and Ephraim. And he says, and, and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. He not only put away some things, he renewed his worship to God. I want to encourage you tonight. I'm going to ask you, Christians, let's renew our worship to the Lord. Let's make sure that we're giving as we should give. Make sure that we're spending time alone with our Father. Have you talked to the Father today? Remember Brother Benny Beckham asking us that? Remember Tom Williams asking us about our prayer life? How about it? Has anything changed? Has there been a real fervency in your prayer? This gets embarrassing sometimes. Get a little meddling going on here. But let me say, we now need to put away some idols. And by the way, if we don't separate from the wrong, we will not begin to worship God on His terms. He said, I have to put away some things. Separation is one of the key factors for pure worship. We've been lied to by the, by the, by the, uh, the contemporary church. You can have Christianity on your terms. You can worship God with what you want. That's strange fire. That's strange fire. That's not what the Bible teaches. Don't bring junk to God. Don't bring your idols and expect Him to share Himself with your idols. He's not going to do it. We've got we to deal with some sin, deal with some idols, and give ourselves to worship God. We oftentimes want what God can give us. We're trying to figure out how we can keep our sin, keep our idols, keep our hobbies, keep our pursuits, and still have God not too ticked off with us. I don't think that's what... Asa had in mind. I think he realized, number one, I got to have some courage to put away these abominable idols. I got to have some courage to renew the altar of the Lord. Renew that walk with God. Are you getting to a rut where you just read the proverb of the day? All right, let me take on the day. Are you not memorizing Scripture? Are we not meditating on the Scripture? Are not thinking about the Word of God? Do we ask ourselves a difficult questions? Hey, what would God want me to do here? I believe we need to put away some idols. We need to renew our walk of the Lord. Look at verse number 9, would you please? Second Chronicles and verse number 9. It might take me about 15 minutes to find it. Here we go. Verse number 9. Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin... And the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For there fell to him out of Israel an abundance when they saw that the Lord of his God was with him. There's, a, there's several things I want to share, but I think I'm running out of time. And I want to just give you this thought real quickly. The third thing he did, he put away the abominable idols. The Bible tells us that he renewed his altar of worship to the Lord. Focus his attention. Well, you can say yes. If you have a greater yes, you can say no to your idols. He focused attention on the Lord. And then he gathered other people to join him. He gathered the people of God. And not just Judah and Benjamin, the two southern tribes. But the people that were right with God in the northern kingdom 
they moved and came down and joined him. Why? Because they knew that God was with him. When they knew God was with him, they wanted to be where he was. They wanted to be under the spout where God's blessing came out. They wanted to be where he was. And boy, he made a con commitment. He was a courageous man who was willing to say no to abominable idols. Yes, to pure worship, to a holy God who deserves our very best. And then he gathered the people, not just from Judah, not just from Benjamin. And then the last thing we see here in verse number 10, they offered to the Lord. They began to give. And they gave generously from the spoils that God had given them. They had gone out there. God had obviously blessed them. They didn't do it. God did all the work. He defeated the, the Ethiopians. He's the one who gave them the blessings at their prayer. And now they have been loaded with benefits. And they said, Lord, we've got so much here. And they offered to the Lord 7,000 sheep, 700 oxen, a huge sacrificial time that they gave to the Lord that which He had given to them and a portion back to the Lord. And we see they offered together. And you want to see the rest of the chapter? They rejoiced. Happy people are pure people. Happy people are people who have said no to the idols, yes to worship and pure worship to God. And then they have offered of themselves and their substance to the Lord and the people of God rejoiced. And they got close to God and God got close to them. And they experienced something that's beautiful. Remember what we found out here? Because of all their absence of a true God and absence of a teaching priest and absence of the law, they didn't have peace. But you'll find the Bible says that God gave peace to the kingdom of Asa and to those people for 25 years. It wasn't until his 35th year of reign that he had to fight another battle. He had another threat against him. God gave him peace. You know what will give you peace? You know what will give me peace? Is when I have enough courage to set aside abominable idols. Idols of my heart. That relationship. That situation. Those things. Hey, get rid of them. Put them aside. Say, Pastor, it's scary. I know. It'll take some courage, but you can do it. Renew your heart to worship God in purity, in honesty, in humility, and in holiness. And then may I challenge you to offer to the Lord. Gather others. God's going to gather people to you. You start walking with God, God's going to have some people walk with you. They're going to help you. You're going to be an influential. By the way, that'll be something every human being that's a child of God ought to want is to influence someone else to walk with God with them. How long has it been since you shared the gospel with somebody? You know, sometimes we don't do that because we've got idols of the heart. We're not worshiping the Lord. He's not new to us. He's not real to us. We have nothing to offer. We're, we're just dried up Christians, have nothing to offer this unsaved world. But they knew the Lord was with him, and God began to bring... One of the things I'm praying about, I'm saying, Lord, in this coronavirus time, Door knocking is not something that's probably the best thing to do. And it may be a good thing to do, and if someone's doing it, praise the Lord. But Lord, please bring people across my path that I can help. Then they offer to the Lord, and God exchanged their commitment and their courage for His peace. Not only on their lives, but the lives of other people. 
I believe that this is a great passage of Scripture for us to spend time in. Would you do it too? I hope you'll read the rest of it. I didn't do justice to it tonight, but I think it would be a blessing if you'd read it and say, God, what are you trying to tell me in this passage of Scripture? Thank you for allowing me to share this thought with you. I do not know where you are, but I want to talk first of all to the Christian. Every Christian ought to be committed to the Lord. And really, revival is not stagnant. It's not just a one thing and it's all done. It needs to start with me and it needs to start with you. And we got to get real with ourselves. Are there idols in your heart? Are you brave enough to adjust and to even evaluate that? It takes some courage. Boy, when you hear from God, you're letting, you're letting the Word of God help you. Then say, God, is there anything in there that's not right? It's an idol that I need to put away. It's something I've made and I've given worship to that. I think about it. I, I, I operate in that all the time. I just put you on the side. Maybe we ought to put that away and spend time worshiping God in holiness and honesty, humility. Gathering others that God will gather to you because you're, the presence of God is on your life. Christian, I think this is what we need. It's what your pastor needs. You may be listening tonight and you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. I want to just quickly remind you that there's nothing in the world worth being separated from God eternally in the lake of fire over. I don't care how old you are, in the next hundred years, for every one of us, all that's going to matter is where we live. With God in heaven or without Him, the lake of fire. God is not willing that any would perish. God doesn't want you to be separated from Him. He wants you to be saved. I do not know where you are in your life. Some of you, you may have a little story you've told for years, but you know and God knows there's nothing. You're, you're full of dead men's bones. You might have all the phylacteries on the outside, but you know you're as empty as you can be on the inside. You don't have the Spirit of God inside of you. If that's you tonight, would you call on the Lord? Trust Him as your Savior? Say, Pastor, I'd like to be saved. I don't know how. It's not hard. It's faith in Jesus. It's faith in what Christ did for us. The Bible's very clear that we're not justified by works. It's not what we do for God that gives us eternal life. It's what God did for us. We deserve the payment of sin. The wages of sin is to die, to be separated from God. But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said of himself, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man cometh the Father but by me. You'll not be the exception, and I certainly will not be either. I'm glad for a day in time when someone took the Bible and showed me. I was a sinner, I deserved hell. Jesus was my only hope. And his death, burial, and resurrection did all that was needed to be done so I could be saved. That night I accepted the gift of eternal life. The best way, by faith, I believed it in my heart and I asked God to save me. Do you need to do that right now? If you need to, why don't you pray right where you are. Say, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I deserve hell to be separated from you eternally. But I believe that Jesus died for me. And on the cross, he did all that was needed to be done so I could be saved. Forgive my sin. Make me your child. I accept your gift of eternal life by faith through your Son, Jesus Christ. 
you prayed that tonight, we'd like to help you grow in the Lord. We have a book here called Understanding Salvation. We'd like to mail it to you. Could you call us right now at the number on your screen if you're listening by radio? 219-932-0711. One more time, that's 219-932-0711. Someone is ready to take your call right now. If it's a busy signal, call right back. We want to get this to you. Or you can go to connect at fbchammond.com. We want to send this to you in person. Please let us do that. I think it'll be very helpful to you to grow in the Lord. If you say, Pastor, I'm still fuzzy. I don't understand everything you explained to me. We go through the gospel clearly at that fbchammond.com slash salvation. Or you can go to our website, how to know to be sure you're going to heaven. I'll explain it much more clearly. We want you to know it. Don't leave uh, your room without Jesus. Let Christ save you. Take your sin give you his son. It's the best way to live.